0: Let's pray as we read from God's holy word in Lamentations chapter 4. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet, it directs our steps. And Lord, we thank you that the word points to the word, Jesus Christ, the one who was with you in the beginning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, together eternally, forever. We thank you for his awesome salvation. Christ is the saviour, the one who rescues us from sin and death. And Lord, we pray now during this time that your Holy Spirit would move to exalt Christ in our hearts and in our lives, that he would be glorified and lifted high as he should be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every person wants to feel valuable. Everyone wants to feel that they have worth. No one likes feeling worthless. And yet we often struggle with self-worth, don't we? There's many of us watching this who will say, at times, I do, I feel worthless. I, I feel like I'm not offering anything valuable or good. Well, today from Lamentations chapter four, and particularly looking at verses one and two, I want to preach on the good news of value, beauty and preciousness in Jesus Christ. Let's read together Lamentations chapter four, verses one to twenty two. Lamentations chapter four, verses one to twenty two. Two. How the gold has grown dim. How the pure gold is changed. The holy stones lie scattered at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion, worth their weight in fine gold. How they are regarded as earthen pots, the work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer the breast, they nurse their young, but the daughter of my people has become cruel, like the ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the nursing infant sticks to the roof of its mouth for thirst, the children beg for food, but no one gives to them. Those who were once feasted on delicacies perish in the streets, those who were brought up in purple embrace ash heaps. For the chastisement of the daughter of my people has been greater than the punishment of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment. And no hands were wrung for her. Her princes were purer than snow, whiter than milk. Their bodies were more ruddy than coral. The beauty of their form was like sapphire. Now their face is blacker than soot. They are not recognised in the streets. Their skin has shriveled on their bones. It has become dry as wood. Happier were the victims of the sword than the victims of hunger, who wasted away, pierced by the lack of fruits of the field. The hands of compassionate women have boiled their own children. They became food during the destruction of the daughter of my people." The Lord gave full vent to his wrath. He poured out his hot anger and he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor any of the inhabitants of the world, that foe or enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. This was for the sins of her prophets and the iniquity of her priests, who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. They wandered blind through the streets. They were so defiled with blood that no one was able to touch their garments. Away, unclean people cried at them. Away, away, do not touch. So they became fugitives and wanderers. People said among the nations, they shall stay with us no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He will regard them no more. No honour was shown to the priests. no favour to the elders. Our eyes failed, ever watching vainly for help. In our watching, we watched for a nation which could not save. They dogged our steps so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end drew near. Our days were numbered for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles in the heavens. They chased us on the mountains. They lay in wait for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils, the Lord's anointed, was captured in their pits, of whom we said, under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Eden, you who dwell in the land of Uz, but to you also the cup shall pass. You shall become drunk and strip yourself bare. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. He will keep you in exile no longer. But your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will punish. He will uncover your sins. And so we have a chapter of scripture in Lamentations 4 that speaks of the punishment of Jerusalem's sin at the hand of the Babylonians. It speaks about the wrath of God once again in Lamentations 4. And at the end of the chapter, it talks about the punishment that will come upon the Babylonians. The Babylonians' sin will also be punished. And so we could preach a sermon once again, looking at the whole chapter, focusing on the wrath of God against wrongdoing. It's important that we highlight that point and do not neglect it as Christians. But I want to focus on the first two verses this morning. I'll release a few videos on Facebook during the week where we'll cover uh, the rest of the chapter and a few points that I don't make this morning. But I really want want to focus on those first two verses. Unless you want to listen to a two hour long sermon, I've decided to limit myself just to those first two verses. Lamentations 4 verses 1 and 2. And I only want to make one point from those verses today. And the point is this. This is the point that I want you to take away from this morning's sermon. Sin tarnishes beauty, but Christ restores value. Sin tarnishes beauty, but Christ restores value. Look with me at verse 1 of Lamentations 4. It begins, how the gold has grown dim." How the gold has grown dim. Do you remember how chapter 1 began? Lamentation chapter 1. Lamentation chapter 1 began with these words How lonely sits the city. That was once full of people. And so, chapter one was a lament on the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, focused on the loneliness, all these people who've either been killed during that destruction or have been taken away into exile. How lonely starts chapter one. In chapter two, Lamentations chapter two starts how angry was the Lord. And chapter 2 is a a focus on the wrath of God, his anger against sin. So how lonely in chapter 1, how angry in chapter 2. Chapter 3 has a different structure, it doesn't follow the same pattern. But chapter 4 again begins with this word, how? How dim has the gold become? It begins. Chapter 4 is a lament of the diminished value, beauty and preciousness of the people of God. She was once, Jerusalem was once a city of beauty, honour and great worth, beloved of God. But she has sinned, she has rebelled, she has dishonoured God. And God has punished her for that, God has punished the city of Jerusalem. God has punished the people of this city for what they have done. And now the city is a shadow of her former self, just like gold that has grown dim, just like fine gold that has been changed. The city of Jerusalem was once beautiful and bright and shining. But now, according to Lamentations, verse one, she has grown dim. She, her beauty has disappeared. Her brightness has gone. Her value has decreased. Now, verse one sounds like the writer is reflecting on the destruction of the temple. The first two lines talk about gold and lots of gold was used to make, to create, to build the temple that was in Jerusalem. And the next two lines talk about holy stones. And of course, the stones that were used to build the temple of God in Jerusalem were considered to be holy. And when the Babylonians came and invaded Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple. And it's quite likely that they flung the stones of the temple around so that at the head of every street, there were these holy stones described in verse one. And so the gold of the temple has lost its brightness and lost its value. And the holy stones used to construct the temple have been scattered and thrown about. And so in verse one, it sounds like the writer is talking specifically about the temple that has been destroyed. But then in verse two, the focus shifts slightly. The writer isn't talking about a building in verse two, but the precious sons of Zion. Every Jew in Jerusalem, male or female, would have been considered a son of Zion, a son of the holy mountain, a son of the city of Jerusalem. And what verse 2 says is that the people, the men and women of Jerusalem, were worth their weight in fine gold. They were precious. They were valuable. They had great worth. And and obviously their worth is compared to gold, which creates a connection between verse one and verse two. And it makes me think, what if the gold in verse one wasn't the gold of the temple, but it was the gold of the people? The metaphorical gold used to describe the preciousness of the people of God. And of course, that is how God saw Israel, saw Jerusalem, saw the people who lived in the city. They were his precious sons sons and daughters of God. More precious than fine gold. And if the gold in verse one is not really referring to the gold of the temple, but the gold of the people, what if the holy stones that have been scattered were not really the stones used to build the temple, but the stones, the holy people, not bricks, but people who were built together to form this beautiful united people of God. But now, because of Jerusalem's sin, those holy stones have been scattered, broken apart and scattered at the head of every street. The gold of the people has lost its brightness and grown dim. The holy stones, the people of God, have been broken and scattered because of the invasion of the Babylonian people. If you look at verse 2, this is the message of verse 2. The precious people, once as valuable as gold, have lost their worth. They're now, they're now not gold, they're pots made from mud. Earthen pots, it says in verse 2. Um, And the value of pots compared to gold is significantly less. That's the point of verse two. These people who were once precious, who were once valuable like gold, are now pots made from mud. And this is the message of verses one and two. Sin has come into Jerusalem and sin has tarnished the beauty of the gold. Sin has destroyed the holiness of of the temple and scattered the holiness of the people and sin has devalued the once precious people. Do you, do you see that in verse 1-2? The sin of Jerusalem and the Babylonian invasion has tarnished beauty. The brightness of the gold has grown dim. It's destroyed holiness for the holy stones have been scattered and it's devalued the once precious people. Once precious like gold Now simply earthen pots. This is what sin does. This is what sin does. God loves us. His commands are good. And so to obey the commands of God creates beauty and holiness and makes people know and feel valuable. This is when God gives us commands, he does it for our own good, that we would know beauty, that we'd know value, that we'd know holiness. But when we break God's commands, this is what happens. This is what sin does. Sin is breaking the commands of God. It's it's forsaking God, walking away from him. And since God is the source of beauty, the source of holiness and the source of preciousness, when we sin, this is what happens. Beauty is tarnished. Holiness is destroyed and scattered. Precious people are devalued and feel worthless. The reason people struggle with self-worth, thousands of years ago when Lamentations was written, and now, is sin. Sin causes a a battle with self-worth. If you feel really low on yourself this morning, it's sin in the world that has done that to you. Sin brings guilt and shame. And a, very, a large part of our lack of self-worth is, is the fact that we feel guilty about things we've done. Or we feel shamed for the things we haven't achieved or, that, or we haven't done. Sin destroys relationships. And it's often a broken relationship that causes us to feel worthless. And to feel bad about ourselves. Sin causes cruel words to be spoken. And again, that's often what makes us feel worthless. It's someone else's words spoken to us or over us that makes us feel just terrible about ourselves. And ultimately, sin separates us from God our Father and therefore denies us true knowledge. The true knowledge of our identity as sons and daughters of God. Do you see? It's sin that causes guilt. It's sin that causes shame. It's sin that destroys relationships. It's sin that causes cruel words to be spoken. It's sin that separates us from God, our Father, so that we don't know that we're sons and daughters of God. And so it's sin that causes us to feel worthless. It's a result of sin in the world just like these precious sons of Zion, these precious people of Jerusalem, were once as valuable as gold, but now are just pots made of mud. So people feel worthless as a consequence of sin in this world. Sin tarnishes beauty. Sin destroys holiness. Sin causes precious people to feel worthless. But there is hope. There is redemption. There is salvation. Jesus, Jesus, in Luke chapter 24, after his resurrection from the dead, walks on the road with two of his disciples. And as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, it says this beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to those two disciples in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's Luke 24, verse 27. Jesus walked with the two disciples and he goes through the Torah. That's what Moses wrote down. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy and Numbers. Numbers and Deuteronomy, sorry. He goes through the Torah and he goes through all the prophets and he says, these scriptures were about me. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. That's an amazing verse, by the way. I would have loved to have walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus and how he explained the Old Testament scriptures so that they pointed so beautifully to himself. In other words, what Jesus does in Luke 24 is he shows that all of scripture, all of the Old Testament, concerns Jesus pointing forward to the coming Messiah. And when you read the Old Testament and you start to understand it, you see this glorious pattern that actually all of of the Old Testament is setting the scene for Jesus coming into the world. And so on that basis, I want to ask a question. How does Lamentations 4 verses 1 to 2 point to Jesus? Because this isn't a prophecy. This isn't a it doesn't verses 1 and 2 doesn't say there's a Messiah coming who's gonna put everything to rights. How does Lamentations 4 verses 1 to 2 point to Jesus? The answer is this: there are three metaphors used in Lamentations 4 verses 1 to 2. Gold, the metaphor of gold, the metaphor of holy stones, and the metaphor of earthen pots. Three metaphors in those verses. And in Lamentations, all of those three metaphors are used to describe the devaluation that's happened, that's come upon the people of Jerusalem because of their sin. So gold, holy stones and earthen earthen pots are used as metaphors in order to communicate to us, the reader, how sin has ruined Jerusalem. But, and this is glorious, this is wonderful, this is when I get so excited about God's Word in the Bible, but All three of those metaphors are reused in the New Testament and they reused in the New Testament to speak of the restoration of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, it's about the destruction and the the devaluation that's caused by sin. But in the New Testament, these same three metaphors are used again, this time to speak of the restoration, the restoring of value, the restoring of beauty, the restoring of holiness that comes through Jesus Christ. And so that's what I want to do for the rest of this morning, is look at how these metaphors are used in the New Testament to reveal the the restoration of Jesus Christ. So firstly, let's think about gold. So in Lamentations, of course, the gold grows dim, the brightness, the the fine gold is changed. and, And it talks about how people precious in the sight of God have have become like earthen pots. So the preciousness of gold is, is ruined in Lamentations chapter four. But turn with me to 1 Peter, verses six and seven. 1 Peter one, verses six and seven. This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In Lamentations, when affliction came, the gold grew dim. But in 1 Peter, Faith in Jesus Christ, which is compared to gold in that verse that I just read to you, is tested and refined so that it results in praise and glory and honour. In the Old Testament, for those people who do not have Christ, affliction dims the gold. Affliction, trials, invasion come and the gold is dimmed. But in the New Testament, for those who have Christ, who have, for those who have put their faith in Christ, for every Christian who's ever lived who has faith in Christ, when affliction comes, the gold is not dimmed. No, the glory grows even brighter. The faith shines even more wonderfully. And as a consequence of the faith that is tested by affliction, it causes glory and honour and praise. Do you you see that? So in the Old Testament, without Christ, affliction causes the gold to dim. But in the New Testament, trials and afflictions come upon the Christian who has true faith in Jesus. And it proves their faith to be real and results in a brightness of the glory of God. Consider this also. In Lamentations, the precious sons are reduced to earthen pots. They were once precious as gold, but now they're simply earthen pots. In 1 Peter, faith in Christ is tested and found to be even more precious than gold. Did you see that? In in verse 7, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold. So in the Old Testament, the, the preciousness of the sons of Zion reduces under affliction. But in the New Testament, faith in Christ is even more precious than gold. Sin in Lamentations ruins brightness and the value of the people. But in 1 Peter in the New Testament, Jesus restores brightness. He restores glory. He restores value. And he restores preciousness of those that have faith in him. Isn't that amazing, the contrast between the Old and the New Testament? The contrast between not having Jesus and having Jesus and how that transforms the afflictions and trials and struggles we go through. So that's gold. Secondly, let's consider the holy stones and we're going to stay in one Peter and we're going to turn to one Peter, chapter two, verses four and five. One Peter two, verses four and five. This is what it says. As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I love love those verses in 1 Peter 2. Jesus himself is described as a stone in those verses. He was a living stone. He was rejected, perhaps scattered, because when Jesus came to the earth, he was rejected by his people. The Jews rejected Jesus and ultimately crucified him with the help of the Romans. So so Jesus is described as a living stone rejected by men. But in God's sight, Jesus is chosen and precious. Of course he is. He's God the Son. He's the eternal Son of God the Father. And so men reject Jesus. He's not seen as precious by men, but God sees Jesus as infinitely precious. He's the chosen one. He's his eternal Son. Those who come to Jesus in 1 Peter 2, like living stones, are built together into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. In Lamentations, sin destroys the temple and scatters the people like holy stones are flung to the head of every street. But in one Peter, through Jesus Christ, all who come to Christ are built together again into a spiritual house. The temple is rebuilt but not in a physical way, in a spiritual sense through the church. We we say that the church is the house of God and it doesn't matter that we as a church don't have a building because the church is not the building, the church is the people and every single person in the church is a holy stone. And it's important that we're built next to each other and built together and everyone uses their gifts. Everyone is important. If you pull one brick out, it ruins the wall. It ruins the building that's being built. We're all built upon the living stone, the cornerstone that is Christ. And so Jesus is building the church, the universal church around the world. And he's building the local church, Christ Church Verum. And every stone is holy for they've been made holy by the blood of Christ. Every stone is chosen and precious, just as God the Father loves God the Son, chooses God the Son, sees God the Son as precious. So every um, believer in Christ is also precious and chosen by God and is important in the building that is being built together. In Lamentations, holiness has been ruined, but in 1 Peter, holiness is restored. For every Christian is described as a member of the holy priesthood, which means we, we act as a a mediator between God and people. We're to reveal God to others. We're to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. We're to lead others into the presence and the worship of God so that they might also enter into this holy priesthood. They might also become holy stones in this glorious church that God is building. Sin destroys holiness and scatters the stone. Christ, the living stone, restores holiness. And builds these stones back together again. Don't you just love this? The the negative impact of sin in the Old Testament, lamentation, is being reversed and restored by Jesus in the New. Finally, thirdly, let's think about earthen pots. And I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where it, it says this. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, verse seven. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In Lamentations 4, verse two, earthen pots are a rubbish thing. They're used to be compared to the preciousness of gold. And so earthen pots or jars of clay are seen as something with little value in Lamentations 4 verse 2. But in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, jars of clay are seen as infinitely valuable and precious because these jars of clay contain a treasure. Did you see that in in 4 verse 7? We have this treasure in jars of clay. And so the question is, what is the treasure that's being put in these jars of clay, being put into these earthen pots? We'll have a look at verse six. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is the treasure described in verse seven? It's knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How can jars of clay, how can earthen pots that are weak and fragile be of greater value and be even more precious than fine gold? Well, the answer is by knowing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When someone becomes a Christian, The light of Christ shines in their hearts. In Genesis 1, light shone in the darkness and the heavens and the earth were created. Well, in the recreation of a Christian, the light of Christ shines in the heart and makes them a new being, recreates them, gives them regeneration. And so they see when the light of Christ shines in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, you see how glorious God is. You see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. You see God's compassion. You see his power. You see his love. You see his wisdom. You see his mercy. You see his glory. All of this happens when the light of Christ shines in your heart and you see all this in Jesus Christ. You know, we don't worship an unknown God, a mysterious God. We worship Jesus, who is God in human flesh. And in the face of Jesus, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection from the dead, we see God's glory. When the light of Christ shines in our heart, we see this glory and we're filled with a knowledge of the glory of God. And this knowledge makes a simple pot infinitely precious in the sight of God. The pot remains a pot. The Christian remains a human being, weak and fragile, in some ways easily breakable. And and that's how many of us feel right now. We feel weak, fragile, easily breakable. And the, the reason we remain weak is it is revealed in verse 7 that there's a purpose for Christians to remain weak it's so that the we, the others might see the surpassing power of god if someone became a christian and then instantly became a superhero that the the other people watching in might be confused and think that that person has great power but because we remain remain fragile remember we remain like jars of clay people look at our lives and see God's power, God's might, God's wisdom, God's glory, rather than our own glory and our own might. So I, I love this this way. The the metaphor in Lamentations four of earthen pots is a metaphor for a lack of value. Is sin in Lamentations four devalues precious sons? But Christ, in 2 Corinthians, restores value. He pours into this pot knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ the Son. And, and therefore, these pots have such a preci- precious treasure within them that they are more valuable even than the fine gold. That The value of Christians surpasses the old value of the people in Jerusalem. I love this. I love the way that the New Testament takes these metaphors in Lamentations 4 and turns them around. In the Old Testament, in Lamentations 4, these verses are sad, terrible verses about the power of sin to tarnish beauty, to destroy holiness, and to devalue sons and daughters and make them feel worthless. But this verse finds its fulfilment, finds its It's reversal in Jesus. Jesus does not tarnish beauty. He makes people beautiful and bright. Jesus does not ruin holiness. He restores holiness. Jesus does not scatter God's people. He unites God's people into the church. And Jesus does not devalue people. He declares over Christians infinite value. We are jars of clay, but with the knowledge of the glory of God within us. We have faith in Christ, which is more precious than gold. And so, if you have low self-esteem this morning, I particularly want to, I'm speaking to everyone, but I particularly want to speak to you. If you have low self-esteem, low self-worth, I want you to hear this call to put your faith in Jesus Christ. When you do, you will know what it is to be a beloved and precious son or daughter of God, with knowledge of the glory of God in your heart. If you're already saved, if you're already a Christian, this morning is an opportunity to remember once again how precious you are in God's sight. To remember how your sin and the sin of the world tarnishes beauty, destroys holiness and makes people feel worthless. But Christ came in order to rescue you, to restore beauty and brightness, to restore holiness and to declare over you infinite preciousness. You are a son or daughter of God. Contained within you is knowledge of the glory of God in Christ Christ. Sin tarnishes beauty, but Christ restores value. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, when we read Lamentations 4, we're shocked and saddened by the horrific impact of sin upon the city of Jerusalem. Lord, we confess that sin in this world, including our sin, has tarnished beauty, has destroyed holiness, has made people feel worthless. But Lord, we praise you for Jesus Christ. We put our faith in Jesus this morning once again, for we know that Jesus is the one who restores beauty, the one who restores holiness, and the one who restores sonship and daughtership, and therefore makes precious those who feel worthless. Lord, may every Christian watching this video know how precious they are in the sight of God. And Lord, I pray for any non-Christian watching as well. May they enter into belief in Christ and receive this preciousness, receive this identity which we love to be called a son or daughter of the King of Heaven. Thank you that though sin tarnishes beauty, Christ restores value. And in this we rejoice. We pray these things In Jesus' name.